0: I'm Daniel Levine, and this is RareCast. Pulmonary arterial hypertension is a rare and progressive condition Characterized by high blood pressure in the arteries of the lungs due to their narrowing or a blockage. This causes the heart to work harder to pump blood and leads to heart failure, the need for lung transplantation, and death. Arami is developing an inhaled form of the targeted cancer therapy, Matinib, as a treatment for PAH. We spoke to Josh Zeal, chief operating officer and interim CEO of Arami, about. Pulmonary arterial hypertension, the company's experimental therapy to treat the condition, and its efforts to build a pipeline of therapies that make use of its proprietary inhalation technology. Josh, thanks for
1: joining us. Thank you so much, Danny. I really appreciate uh, you having us on today and looking forward to the discussion.
0: We're going to talk about pulmonary hypertension, ARAMI, and it's experimental inhaled therapy to treat two serious rare forms of the condition. ARAMI's lead experimental candidate is an inhaled therapy for the rare and progressive condition pulmonary arterial hypertension. For listeners not familiar with the condition, what is it?
1: Yeah. So I think the easiest way to understand pulmonary hypertension is to think of it as high blood pressure, but specifically in the blood vessels um, within the lung. So essentially, you can get pulmonary hypertension for many different reasons. There's actually five different types. Um, We call them clinical classifications. Um, But fundamentally, they manifest themselves in, in similar ways insofar as um, when you perform a test called a right heart catheterization, you see elevated pressures within um, the pulmonary vasculature. And so that really defines pulmonary hypertension. Now, I think you also brought up um, sort of how Arami is focused on this. And we're looking, um, you know, right out of the gate with our, our lead uh, program, AIR 901, at two different forms of pulmonary hypertension, going back to those. Five different types that I mentioned up front. The first, and I'd say this is probably um, a place where we're putting a lot of focus, is a kind called pulmonary hypertension associated with interstitial lung disease. Um, and this happens after someone develops uh, a serious uh, type of lung condition called interstitial lung disease that causes fibrosis and scarring of the lung. Um, the other type that we look at is pulmonary arterial hypertension. Um, And this is something that can develop in people because they have a a, a genetic uh, mutation um, or uh, because they've been exposed to different types of substances in the past, or in some cases um, without any real known cause. Um, You know, so one thing that's really important, regardless of the type of pulmonary hypertension to know is that these can be very serious conditions. Um, Oftentimes, um, unfortunately, leading to, uh, with disease progression, um, right heart uh, failure and, you know, either the the need potentially for a heart and heart lung transplant, or um, in in some cases, it can be fatal.
0: Separate from a a clinical measure, from a patient's point of view, how does the condition affect them and, and how does it progress?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, and it's, it's actually one of the real challenges in this area. So unfortunately, many of the common symptoms of pulmonary hypertension in general, uh, so not talking about any one of the individual types, um, they're pretty nonspecific. Uh, they might be, you know, initially, you know, fatigue, a shortness of breath, things that could be caused by any number of, of conditions. And I think one of the, the challenges in this space, is that patients can go for a long period of time before actually getting an accurate diagnosis. And what, what that means is that by the time they see a specialist that can treat their pulmonary hypertension, um, or at least manage it, in some cases there really are no great treatments today, they, they might be you know pretty far along in the course of their disease, and it becomes really critical to get them on effective therapy as soon as possible
0: how is the condition generally treated today and what's the prognosis for someone who has the condition
1: well you know it it really depends and i'm going to go back to what we talked about right in the beginning you know you mentioned and and i i sort of discussed the two types of pulmonary hypertension that arami is really focused on today um so first i'm going to talk about PHILD or pulmonary hypertension associated with interstitial lung disease um in this case there really are very few treatments for patients. There's there's one drug that was approved um, in just the past few years, but unfortunately, it's only available in the United States. And the way that it works is to uh, cause the, the blood vessels within the heart and the lungs to relax. Um, that helps with some of the problem. But unfortunately, in pulmonary hypertension, the root cause is actually sort of a, an overgrowth of the cells that line the blood vessel um, that actually causes, you know, the sort of narrowing of, of, of the blood vessels within the lung. And so even when you sort of cause that vessel to relax, the blood still has a hard time flowing through. And so, you know, this drug is a really important advance for, for those people, um, but it's not going to do the whole job. And there's really other than managing the underlying lung disease for patients with PHILD, not much else that can be done, um, you know, for their condition. And that's why I think we're really uh, motivated and excited to look at Air 901, our lead asset within, uh, you know, this area and, and as a potential therapy for these patients. The other, the other type of pulmonary hypertension that we talked about, so pulmonary arterial hypertension, in this case, actually the the sort of details of what's happening inside of the lung, very similar to what's happening in PHILD. We know that that same sort of overgrowth of the cells within in the blood vessels is occurring, but we still don't have any treatments in, in PAH that are really directed at that process. Just like in, in uh, PHILD, there are, there are therapies available. In this case, there are more. I think there's about 15 drugs that are currently approved for pulmonary arterial hypertension, um, at least in the U.S., um, but what they do is 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 sort of again cause those blood vessels to relax rather than necessarily sort of repairing or reversing the underlying problem. Does that make sense? Yes.
0: Arami has platform technology for delivery of inhaled therapies to the lung. What's the case for delivering medicine through the lungs?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the, you know, um I think earliest um, you know, sort of concepts that got people excited about inhalation, and, and it's been around as a drug delivery uh, route for, for a long time, um, is the idea that if you have a pulmonary condition, when you inhale medicine, maybe you're getting it right to the site of, of the disease, right to the site of damage. And that's actually exactly what we think is happening when you inhale therapy for pulmonary hypertension. Fundamentally, what i what I said is that you know, we think the the problem is happening within the vessels of the lung, and when you inhale the medication um, that could potentially treat that, you're getting it. You know, basically right into the tissue where it can take a, an effect. Um, the other the other real reason to look at um, you know inhaled delivery is you know to reduce systemic exposures and potentially side effects, and that's really kind of the hypothesis that underlies our 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 lead program. We are taking um, a a drug. It actually has been tested in pulmonary hypertension in the past, and we know that it it can work. That in a phase three trial, it had actually pretty substantial efficacy of of you know the kind we really haven't seen before. Um, but it just had a lot of tolerability and, and safety issues. And so, by targeting the lung, what we think we can do is reduce the dose and achieve similar efficacy. But with a greatly improved side effect profile. And that's really, I think, part of the promise of of the platform potential that we're bringing with AIR 901 for pulmonary hypertension. You know, today, certainly for PHILD and PAH, but we hope in the future to be able to look at other types of pulmonary hypertension as well.
0: Your therapy is delivered through what's known as a smart nebulizer. What is this and how does IRAMI's work?
1: Yeah, so it's, 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 it's actually pretty cool. So what we have is a is a handheld device. Um, So it's something, you know, it's really important that as you're developing a drug, it it be something that, you know, patients can use effectively. um, But also, you know, in a condition like pulmonary hypertension, where you're talking about chronic treatment are going to be able to use it for the long term. So the fact that this is more mobile, portable, easy to clean, um, that's really important from from our perspective. But the device really does go beyond that. So um, one of the really important things with inhalation is making sure that the medication gets to the right spot, right? Um, when you inhale a drug, I think you can imagine, you know, with many types of inhaled delivery, you can either breathe too fast or too slow. And what happens is the medication either ends up in your mouth um, or ends up in the back of your throat and you just swallow it. And so You know, if we're talking about these lower doses, what happens is you end up with a subtherapeutic oral dose. Um, What our device does is it actually tells a patient while they're inhaling, if they're breathing at the right rate for that drug to go deep into the lung. Essentially, it glows green if you're doing it right. And if you're breathing too fast or too slow, it actually turns red and it cuts off the flow. And that's really important because with other types of of inhaled delivery, what we know uh, often happens is you know, either there's a learning curve or, you know, just over time, you know using things like a dry powder inhaler it re- requires a fair amount of coordination and consistency in how you breathe. And so over time, oftentimes patients, you know unfortunately, you know, have errors in dosing, might not always get the the full dose. Um, and we can be relatively confident when we go into our phase two study. and and then in the future, hopefully, um, in use as an approved therapy, that patients are actually getting the dose that we intend.
0: Beyond that, does the device collect any data and, and can a patient use that in any way?
1: You know, I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, right now, it doesn't. But the really great thing about these smart nebulizers is, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty cool, high tech devices. They certainly have the capability. Um, you know, to interact with mobile devices via Bluetooth, that's not something we've turned on today. But I think that could be a really nice value add um, for patients taking a therapy. You know, if you think about connecting it with some of the other apps that you might use on a, a day-to-day basis, or, you know, things that help you keep track of treatment. Um, we're not doing that yet. But it's certainly something that's on our radar. And I think, you know, for many, many companies working in this space.
0: Arami's lead experimental therapy, which you had mentioned, is an inhaled form of imitinib, uh, a drug that's approved to treat cancer. What's the case for using this as a treatment for
1: PAH? Yeah, well, so I mentioned up front that actually the, the, the sort of fundamental problem in PH, you know, certainly the manifestation is high blood pressure in the vessels of the lungs, but it's it's that proliferative overgrowth of the cells inside of the blood vessels that is causing that problem. You know, and it's, you know, maybe a simple way of thinking about things. But in in a way, um, part of that could be related to, you know, similar mechanisms that cause the overgrowth uh, of cancer cells. And in fact, uh, the pathway or one of the several pathways that matinib targets, uh, we think that it hits... Uh, certain receptors, one of them is called platelet-derived growth factor receptor. Um, and when it inhibits that receptor, it actually tamps down some of that proliferative overgrowth. And actually, in, in, in what's really exciting in animal models, so preclinical models of pulmonary hypertension, it doesn't just slow the growth, it actually can reverse the damage. And so, you know, it was initially tested in its oral form. And I, I think I mentioned this earlier. Um, it actually showed on top of, you know, two or three background standard of care therapies. So, you know, vasodilators, drugs that cause relaxation of the pulmonary vasculature on top of those drugs. It actually showed, you know, clinically meaningful and statistically significant improvements in, um, you know, sort of blood blood pressure in the lungs or, or what something we call pulmonary vascular resistance. Um, but it also helped patients, you know, be more active and improved. Um, you know, a measure called six-minute walk distance, uh, which is essentially a measure of, of exercisability. And so those types of, of effects were things that really hadn't been seen before, you know, the oral form of the drug was was tested, certainly not on top of two or three background therapies. So it's it's really got a potent effect from an efficacy perspective. And that really leads us to believe that the inhaled form you know, if if we, you know, um, target the drug to the lungs, get it right where it can make a difference, uh, we can lower the dose and, and hopefully achieve sort of that same efficacy, but with just fewer side effects, because that's really why um, the oral program didn't proceed.
0: What is the development path forward?
1: Yeah, so we're really excited. We're gearing up for um, phase two. But as I mentioned up front, we're approaching this a little bit differently than, you know, other companies have done typically in pulmonary hypertension. And and the way that we're looking at it is how can we really advance drug development, uh, you know, more quickly just in light of the tremendous unmet need. And so we're looking at uh, two types of pulmonary hypertension in the same trial. So I always like to think of it as almost a two for one Phase two study. We're going to have one cohort um, that enrolls people with pulmonary hypertension associated with interstitial lung disease. And we're going to have another cohort that enrolls patients with pulmonary arterial hypertension. And, you know, one of the really great things is that um, within, you know, we think, and and this is all planned at the moment, we haven't actually started the trial. um, Within about you know, 18 months, we think we can get an answer that will help us uh, determine the path forward into phase three.
0: The company is not only looking at pulmonary hypertension, but among the other products in development is an inhaled insulin. There was a, a lot of big pharma excitement around the possibility of inhaled insulin, but the products fizzled once they reached the market. Physicians and patients didn't embrace these products as expected. Why pursue this?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked it. So, you know, our company was actually founded a number of years ago, um, you know, by um, a gentleman who really is, you know, I think one of the founding fathers of, of modern inhaled therapies. And, and, you know, I think the vision at the time was to bring forward inhaled insulin in part because, you know, there's a tremendous unmet need you know, for patients with types one and type two diabetes that really, um, you know, in in many cases can't or won't, um, you know, accept daily frequent injections. Now, I think you pointed out some of the challenges that those drugs have had coming to market. Um, We still think that, you know, there's a path forward for inhaled insulin, but today, Arami is very much focused on our uh, cardiopulmonary disease programs in the high end that need in, in those rare diseases. So we do think there could be a path forward for inhaled insulin. It probably will be outside of Arami.
0: Arami had been ready to merge with the SPAC in 2022. The deal was mutually ended. The company did raise about $22 million toward the end of 2021. But how far will existing cash take you and, and what's the plan for raising additional capital?
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. So I think, you know uh, just to unpack a, a few things there. So you, you, you called out the, the SPAC deal and, and, you know, I think the, the number one thing for, for any biotech company, biotechnology company like us, that's really looking to push the envelope and bring important therapies potentially to patients um, is securing the funds to do that. And, and, you know, historically the company has explored a number of avenues right now. Um, we have the cash that we need to basically complete all of the steps to get ready for phase two. Um, And we're currently looking and working to raise the cash to initiate and complete that study. Um, So really our path forward at this point is to find the right partners who see the potential in air 901 that our investigators, um, our team, you know, and, and I think really a, a, Um, outstanding network of of advisors who've helped us build the program C in AER 901 to really help us take that program forward.
0: When we initially scheduled this interview was with Lisa Inez, who was CEO of Arami. Lisa died suddenly in May as a result of a car accident. This was stunning news. She had been CEO since the end of 2022. What's been the impact of her death on the company?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think maybe I'll, I'll I'd just like to start by saying a few words about Lisa, if uh, you don't mind. I mean, I think um, Lisa's passing was a tragedy for her family. I, I think it deeply affected um, everyone on our team. Lisa was a dear friend of mine, as well as a mentor and um, our CEO. Um, and I know she was very close with, you know, a number of patients, physicians, really known throughout uh, the pulmonary hypertension community as a, as a force for good and for patients. And, and I think everyone is working through the news of, of her passing. Um, You know, for the team, I think what it has really done is refocused us on, on the vision that she had for Arami and, and for patients, you know, she saw the potential in this therapy and, and, you know, worked every day, uh, to advance the clinical program and um, the resources needed to take the program forward. And I think it's really renewed our commitment as as a team at Arami, uh, you know, to work with, you know the experts in the field, um, with the patients who we hope will participate in our trials and, and really,, um, you know, the entire network um, in pulmonary hypertension to, you know, advance that vision and hopefully, deliver life-changing therapy for patients. That's really the bottom line goal that Lisa was focused on. And I think, you know what, I'm really focused on.
0: You've stepped in as COO and interim CEO. Is the long-term plan for you to remain in that position or is the company conducting a search for a new CEO?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think right now the company is focused on um, advancing the program, getting into phase two, and, and really moving the ball forward with Air 901, uh, the unmet need is is very high, and the opportunity to close that gap, you know, with this this product, I think is 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 quite real. Um, in terms of you know future management changes, right now there's there's no current search ongoing. This team, you know, that I uh, work closely with Lisa to assemble. I think you may have noticed we also recently brought on. Dr. Gary Burgess as our Chief Medical Officer, as well as Sarah Fritchley, who's our SVP of Clinical Development and Operations. We really have the right folks to, um, you know, drive this program forward into phase two, and and you're looking at the folks who are gonna do it. Uh, For my own part, I've been working, you know, closely with Lisa for the past five years. I've learned from her, and I'm really excited to partner with both Sarah, Lisa, um, the rest of our team, and, um, you know, the entire uh, network of of KOLs, experts, investigators that have gotten excited about AIR 901 and see this program through.
0: Josh Seal, COO and interim CEO of Arami. Josh, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community,